And I mean, like, everyone's trying to tell me their issues, and I'm like, bitch, can you just cue up my drums? Welcome back to Rebel Girls Book Club. I'm Harmony. And I'm Maggie, and we're here to take you on an intersectional feminist approach to books from all over the spectrum. Bestsellers, we've got you covered. That one book from English class you hated while you read it but you can't forget, we've got that too. Comic books, nonfiction, it's all right here. So grab your tea, grab your blanket, and let's get rebellious talking about your new favorite reads. Listen, this is a family-friendly podcast, except it's it's not. We're not family-friendly. Hello, world. This is Rebel Girls Book Club. I am Harmony. I'm Maggie. Vora's sexual fetish regarding eating. I'm Kevin. It's relating to swallowing, sometimes digestion. We have Kevin back with us today. Uh, if you guys haven't listened to the Little Mo- Woman movie review episode, you should. That's where you meet him. But Kevin, for people who have not listened to that episode, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, my, 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 my name's Kevin. Um, my friends call me Spider-Man, and that'll be relevant for this episode. I'm not good at talking about myself. Okay, then. <laughs> I have a cat. This episode, for this episode, we read two comic books, and none of us are actually comic fans, I guess. We're, like, all posers. <laughs> I like comics. And we read Spider-Gwen, Most Wanted, Volume Zero. And we also read Ms. Marvel, Last Days, Volume Four. So, friends, what are your initial thoughts after reading these two comics? I really like the Miss Marvel art style. Yeah, I did too. I um, I like Miss Marvel. I think better. Like, I think it's more enjoyable to read than Spider Gwen was for me. But I thought that the Spider Gwen art style in particular was really cool. Spider Gwen art style changed. It did. Well, yeah. kind of. There's like, I don't think the art style actually changes. I think. Well, maybe it does. She's like dressed. Does the artist change? Ah. Uh... No, I guess it does kind of change. The artist, I don't know. The, I, the, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know anything about comics, guys. So Same. <laughs> Kevin, it's all you. <laughs> I, I don't know what you want me to say. I, I, I liked them both. The Miss Marvel writing was extremely millennial. I loved that. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I hated it. <laughs> I I kind of hated it. I was not a big fan of Spider-Gwen. And I've, okay, so here's the thing. Little background. I don't comic, but I like kind of comic because I once lived right, or my dad once lived right next to a comic book store. And so I used to go and like pick up comics there. And Ms. Marvel is like the only comic, that and maybe some Harley Quinns that I could like really get into. And I've tried Spider-Gwen several times because Kevin kept telling me to. I've never really been able to get into it. Yeah, I know you did. You kept on telling me to. This was all throughout my college years. See, Harmony, I had a different reaction because I, so G. Willow Wilson is a really up and coming author, especially around here because she's from here. Mm -hmm. And I have read another one of her books and I didn't like not enjoy it, but it also wasn't one of my favorites. And I think that a lot of the issues I had with that book was the dialogue, and it really just translated so much for me in Miss Marvel that, like, things felt, to me, so, um, 
I guess, millennial and quote unquote relevant that it no longer seemed realistic. Like it felt like it was kind of trying really hard for me. It was trying way too but hard. That's what a comic book does. Yeah, but that's like what comic books are. Like superhero comics aren't supposed to be realistic. Yeah, why do you think I don't fucking read? <laughs> yeah, no, you can absolutely tell they're trying way too hard because they use the word pwned. I, I felt like the, the writing in Spider-Gwen was worse. All of the dialogue. Really? Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I don't I did. remember the dialogue in Spider-Gwen being anything particularly spectacular. She just, she like, it's all angsty. And then she like does Spider-Man like gross things when she's fighting people. And it doesn't. Gross things it's when just she's not, fighting people? What? You know, like her catchphrases and stuff, like her little quips when she's fighting people are not good. They're really, really I mean, cheesy. I think that's fair, but I also wasn't necessarily talking about that with Miss Marvel. Like, I just meant everything. It felt like that was in a bubble to a certain extent just did not feel uh, realistic to me. Like, in a way, it felt almost like, like, it reminded me of Silver Age writing, almost, which is, um, you two have no idea what I'm talking about. The, the comics of the 50s and 60s and very early 70s, um, you know, where they it was all exclamation points all the time, and everything was like, um, I'm, I'm trying to, just the most stereotypical classical superhero dialogue you can imagine, right? Like, stop, foul villain, I'll stop your death ray, or my name's not, you know, Joe Schmoman, I don't know. Okay, so here's the thing, for me, Ms. Marvel felt like Spider-Man Homecoming. And it felt like where the Marvel movies are currently taking us right now. And yes. I, I like that. Like, I don't like, think like Marvel for any other reason than it's like bright and kind of happy sometimes and like entertaining. I can't have any opinion because I, a part of the questions that you have, Harmony, I like can't even, <laughs> Kevin looks horrified. I can't even try and really comment on because to be honest, really all I've seen is the Iron Man movies, Civil War, and the Avengers movies, and like I haven't I haven't seen anything else. This is kind of Iron Man light. Like I it Iron Man has that same sort of tone. Whose idea was this episode? Okay, so anyway, it was it was mine and Maggie's kind of. <laughs> <laughs> so first I wanted to talk about No no no, this was a harmony episode. <laughs> You don't say. First, I wanted to talk about Spider-Gwen. I wanted to go around and talk about each of our relationship to Spider-Man. I'll start. My relationship to Spider-Man started when I was, like, in second grade, and those movies with Tobey Maguire came out. And, you know, he did the really hot kiss with Mary Jane. And I was like, I'm a Spider-Fan ever since then. And then I got my very first comic book. It was actually for my little brother, but I stole it. And it was called Spider-Girl. And it was all about Spider-Man's daughter. Yes. Yes. So that was my very first comic book. And I was eight years old and I loved it. And I decided I loved Spider-Man. I did not like the Amazing Spider-Man movies. And I kind of like did not engage with Spider-Man at all until the new movies came out in the Marvel Universe. Would you describe his kiss with Mary Jane in the first one as hot? Yeah, really? I did. Yeah, I, yeah, I would. Maggie, can we can we get your opinion on this? 
Well, I have never seen any of the Spider-Man movies except for when he was in the Avengers as Tom Holland or Into the Spider-Verse, which I quite enjoyed, but mostly because of John Mulaney. So, like, that's where I'm coming from. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is also great. And now you see why this was a Harmony episode. I love Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I cry every time I watch that movie. I've seen it three times. That movie is so stupidly good. Which part do you cry at? The part where he like finally gets his powers and he's like being really cool and they have those that cool raps. It just like it's so inspiring to me. Where like no when he like he finally gets like good at his powers and he goes in to like save the day. Like he gets up. What's up the what's up danger scene? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. With the cool music and it's so in- yeah. I listened to that song on loop from December twenty eighteen to May twenty nineteen. It's a good song. It is a good song. But yeah, that's my relationship with Spider-Man, generally speaking. So like, really, my my contribution to this episode just gets smaller and smaller the farther we go. Kevin, what's your relationship to Spider-Man? Well, I am Spider-Man. I love Spider-Man. Unhealthy. I've been, I don't know, like, I've been into the Spider Man character, been one of my absolute favorite fictional characters since legitimately before I can remember, because watching the Spider Man movie in theaters is one of my earliest memories, because I was about like five when that came out. Which movie? This was the original Tobey Maguire Spider Man 2002 one. Okay. With the, I'm going to use the word romantic. Kiss. Kevin, no. Spider-Man has no, become wrong. sexy for me because you showed me all the Spider-Man BDSM porn. <laughs> that's oh, canon. No. Apparently Spider-Man is into BDSM. No. He and Mary Jane got a li- just like a little bit adventurous after the, you know, they, they got married. It was, it was their honeymoon period. This is it's canon. Fine, give them that. And if it's not canon, feel free to email it's... us at rebelgirlsbookclub at gmail.com. So we can send you a fucking sticker. Just take our fucking stickers. <laughs> so technically speaking, it's not canon anymore because of One More Day, which we're actually not going to talk about because that's entirely too intense for this, and I won't stop talking about it. But anyway, yeah, so I've been into Spider-Man since before I saw the movie. And uh, I used to watch the old animated series. I've consumed just about every bit of Spider-Man media since then. I like the new movies, but they don't have Spider-Man in them, which upsets me. Because Tom Holland Spider-Man is not Peter Parker. Is not. No, but he is adorable and lovable. He is. And speaking of of, of, um, pornographic materials... You would not believe, you would not believe how horny but the internet is, is so for, for Spider-Man, Tom Holland, Spider-Man, mommy what? specifically with, yes, specifically with Captain Marvel because of that scene in Endgame where he's like, hi, I'm Peter Parker. And she's like, hey, Peter Parker. And that was not a sexual, that was not sexual. I want you. I want you to think back to those movie theaters. When you saw that movie, think about how many people were in those theaters. At least 40% of those people saw that and got very aroused. That's right uncomfortable. I am so uncomfortable. 
And yeah. this is why kids I need a, I need a drink. listen to this podcast. Well, okay. Yeah. All right. How is Spider-Woman? And I guess this is mostly a Kevin question because he's our Spider-Man expert. Different from Spider-Man. Like, what, what makes it different now that Gwen Stacy is Spider-Woman based off of what you read today? So I, I should give a forewarning here. Um, I have not really read much of Spider-Gwen. I, I didn't... I've just never really kept up with the character all that much. I like her, but I, I don't keep up with modern comics too much in general. I just I pick out things that, that kind of catch my interest from time to time. In general, I would say that Spider-Gwen is angstier than Spider-Man. She's got kind of more going on in her life than Spidey did at pretty much any point other than, I'm going to say, like, the early mid 80s pretty much from 83 to 89 which is around when venom started showing up which i guess is that actually makes sense because she is in college which is where peter parker was during that time period so i think it's it kind of maybe is supposed to evoke that mm-hmm. that era but yeah it's it's sort of a darker world in general cuz cuz kingpin in it is matt murdock who is daredevil a superhero in the mainline marvel universe um that's 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 my big takeaway. Okay, so she's angstier. I think when you were telling me about Spider-Gwen, and I don't know if this is, was you just bullshitting, you told me that she was way more effective than Spider-Man. And we didn't see that in the comic that we read today because I don't think we got enough of her. But is that true from what you know of the character? Uh, It depends on what Spider-Man you're talking about. If you're talking about, like, early early Spider-Man, and you're talking about uh, Ultimate Spider-Man, then yes. Because she still causes a lot of mayhem, and she still gets a lot of blame, but uh, like, inexperienced Peter Parker is just a screw-up, just destroys everything. Everything. Which is actually a good segue into something I noticed with um, Miss Marvel, and how they've kind of written her as their new frontline teenage superhero. Yeah, one of them. I mean, she, yeah. it's been a few years. They have new people out now. Well, she's still a teenage... No, no, no I meant like their new like uh, main teenage superhero. Yeah, she was their new main teenage superhero in like 2014 is my understanding. I... Y- yeah. I, I don't mean... <laughs> well, I mean, let me rewind and talk a little bit. I don't mean new as in just came out. I mean new as in she is the new primary face to that role which was traditionally occupied by Spidey and then... Captain Marvel. Uh, I don't even know of no. Captain Marvel, but, like, well, because Captain Marvel's interesting, because Captain Marvel, I think, initially was a man, and then they made Ms. Marvel at yes. some point, and now we have Carol Danvers, and she's a completely new character. Who, as I understand, is now Captain Marvel, and the new Miss Marvel is meant to be Kamala. Yeah. Is from yeah. the research that I did, not necessarily from the, like, comic. But I think that's the way the hierarchy is supposed to go now. I think, like, naming her as a Marvel franchise, like, giving her the Marvel franchise name is definitely symbolic. Captain Marvel was originally a male alien. Maybe was Kree? I actually can't remember. I don't know much about him. Um, and... 
he died in the 80s, and his powers ended up getting passed on to Carol Danvers, who became Miss Marvel. And she was Miss Marvel for like 20 years until she turned into, uh, until eventually she updated the name to, to be Captain Marvel, like he was. Huh. Um, and then Kamala got her power. Kamala is completely unrelated. Yeah. She got her powers from being an inhuman, and then she took on the name Miss Marvel. Yeah. Because she, her whole thing, I mean, we'll talk about Miss Marvel in just a second. I want to keep talking about Spider-Gwen. But yeah, it's cool that she's like taking on the Spidey role and being a main a main face in the Marvel universe. And I love her and I don't care what y'all say. Okay. <laughs> I don't dislike her for sure. I just The writing style's not your favorite. Yeah. It's not even bad writing, it's just distractingly awkward. I felt that way about Spider-Gwen. Can you talk more about that then? Like, Kevin and I have already started to breach our feelings about that with Miss Marvel. Like, can you tell us more about that with Spider-Gwen? Because I'm not saying that you're wrong. I just personally didn't feel that way. And I'd like to hear more about your thoughts on that. I'm saying that you're wrong. And also would like to hear more about your thoughts. Okay. Well, simply from this, it's just like, I don't know. She's just... It feels to me just like she's trying to be, or this this writing is just trying to be like a female Peter Parker in a way, and she's just like, I'm just not invested with her as a character. I think that all of the dialogue is is weird. Here's the first page of dialogue: Midtown High Gym. No, wait, no, it's 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 just not right. Ah, like it's just all over the top. That's Mary Jane because Mary Jane is a bitch in this. Yes, she is. I don't know if I'm using that in an empowering way or not, because I don't know how I feel about it. You're not. <laughs> You're not. <laughs> and it's just like, it's very, the song they're singing is called Face It Tiger. That's the, the song. And I don't know. It just doesn't, it? it's the tone. I don't like the tone. What I liked about this was that it had some sort of connection to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which I only know from the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse movie, but completely different The tone, I know, I know, but, like, there were sorts of crossovers that I could make based off of the context I had from the movie. Yeah. Yeah. The tone is just weird, and she's not a very likable character. All these things I can't say, I'll never be able to say, he'll never know. I... I'm sorry, Peter. Like, it's just very over-the-top angst, and I can't I can't with it. Even though I like Spider-Gwen's dialogue better, that doesn't mean I necessarily like it, if that makes sense. Like, to me, it did read more naturally, especially given the fact that she's in college. And I think that part of the thing I was picking up on is the fact that I really personally enjoyed the fact that Spider-Gwen was in college versus the fact that Kamala... And Miss Marvel was in high school. And I think that's partially just because of the fact that, like, I'm old and boring now. (laughs) So my heyday is now my, you know, college days. And I appreciate that whole time period more. And I feel like um, Spider-Gwen felt more realistic to how we spoke in college than Miss Marvel did necessarily to how I spoke in high school, if that makes sense. Like, just as a one-to-one ratio. I disagree. Harmony's face... Harmony's face. Well, like, I'm just talking about my feelings, though. Like, this is just how I felt. I understand and respect that you're talking about your feelings. 
Thanks, man. I appreciate that. I disagree. I disagree with that concept. With me or with Harmony? Of your feelings. Oh, just with the fact that I have feelings? No, with you having Well, I mean, that's fair enough. I'm mostly a robot, so, like... That's not... Harmony was about to be like, that's not feminist. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. I had had a point, though, that I agreed with you on, and now I forgot it because we've moved on from that. Wait. What was your other point, though? There was there was something I really agreed with you on. Everything is very over the top, and I don't feel like it's at all realistically written, and I don't think it's entertaining, which is even worse, because, like, Ms. Marvel isn't written realistically necessarily, but it's entertaining, and I, I relate so much more to Ms. Marvel's dialogue and character than I would ever to Spider-Gwen. It's just, like, it's bad writing. You're doing this for the wrong reasons, Gwen. None of this will change the past so long as you're out here alone running from the truth. Like, it's just... It's just gross. And then... It's just gross. It's just written very grossly. what's gross about it? Like, I don't... I don't understand. Like, what? What is your gross level? It's not good writing. It's just. But I bad disagree. Writing. Like, I don't I think under- it's. I don't think it's bad writing. I don't think it's good writing May necessarily. I but I- mediate. Yeah, <laughs> go on, Kevin. Me- mediate us. Okay, so I I get what you're saying, Harmony, because it is it's it's awkward because it's sort of beating you over the head a little bit like it's 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 working very hard to establish the world and the character and the situation and what we can expect of this person's personality and you know their backstory and just it's trying to jam a lot of stuff in there and it's relying on very cliche sort of tired tropes to get it done yes thank you the for context though um spider gwen was never intended to be a full character but then she, she was because people love her right but the the very first issue of the volume we read was before that was decided she had she was supposed to be a face in a crowd people loved her costume so much that they ended up giving her like a full a full run but originally, it was she was just supposed to be um, sort of like a mildly important extra uh, in the Spider Verse crossover, and they wanted to establish her for that. And as part of it, they they also wanted to emphasize how her character, like, because Gwen Stacy dies in the Spider Man, like in the Amazing Spider Man in the mainline Spider Man comics. And so they were emphasizing how it's sort of like the alternate version of that, where she gets powers, Peter doesn't, Peter dies instead, and that's tragic for her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not here to like talk about the writing as much, though, but I did not enjoy it as much. I wanted to talk about, though, what we make, first of all, of Gwen's like interactions with people, like... I love that she has a band. That wasn't something I saw. I didn't see as many friends for Peter Parker and the Peter Parker universes that I know. But her friends are also assholes. And I want to know what you guys think about that. I'll let Maggie go first. I think potentially for me, that was a place where I felt like things were maybe more realistic, not in dialogue, but in life. And the idea of the fact that like, I don't know. This is, I guess, contradicting what I said before, because high school me versus college me, but, you know, closely related ages. Um, 
it really reminded me of myself when I was in high school. And I will say that as much as I love the idea of her hobby as being in a band, and I thought that for her that was really empowering, I was really disturbed because I agreed with you about the fact that a lot of her friends were assholes and not supportive and like just kind of generally jerks. And it bothered me that she couldn't see that, even though in a lot of other, I guess, circumstances, she seemed like a fairly empowered person. But then that also made me feel like for Spider-Gwen, it also did feel more realistic, right? Because we are less likely to see the faults of the people that we care about. Um, Whether that's because they're, you know, gaslighting us, which I think potentially in this circumstance is extreme, or like just because we love them and we care about them and we don't necessarily want to see their faults, you know? Uh, I should throw in there, as rough as their relationship, like Mary Jane is kind of the worst and uh, a little bit poorly written, to be honest. But with with her other friends, she has just sort of tense relationships with everyone because she's an absolute flake and has been for years now. Yeah. Um, constantly just running out on people all the time. It's, it's obnoxious and everyone hates it because the whole superhero thing. That's interesting. So, Kevin, because yeah. you're a Spider-Man expert, did Spider-Man have friends that he was just, no. like, flaking? Okay, because... For me, that was important because we're looking at this through a feminist lens. And I think that women are known to have tighter groups. Like that's been a that's been a thing. It's harder for men to make friendships. And when we look at media focused around women, they do often have more friendships. However, it was like bittersweet because she wasn't able to open up to these friends. And I think that like to me, the contrast reading this was like, oh, I really wish this was more like a Supergirl scenario or even like a The Flash scenario, like the CW shows, where the superheroes have a support network to turn to. Yeah, uh, in in Spidey's case, it was, um, he didn't have, like, he never really had friends, a little bit in college, but but even then. Uh, but he did have, like, social, he had obligations um, all the time and it was constantly failing them. Um like Aunt May especially, all the time, just letting her down. Uh, people at the Bugle and people in high school, whatever. Okay, so this is just the Spidey thing. Spidey yes, people... this is very much a Spidey thing. Okay, Spidey people Except are... Except Miles Morales. I mean, I can't speak to this extensively, of course, but I will say, I think from, you know, our perspective as a feminist lens, I do think there is something interesting, though, about the idea of a boy or man being unable to feel his fulfill his family obligations versus a girl or woman being unable to fulfill her friendship obligations, especially because those two things are, they're different, but I think in to, to a certain extent equitable, like, uh, uh, you know, the man of the house, quote unquote, is the man of the house. And as far as I'm aware, right, it was just Spidey yeah. and Aunt May. Yeah. Am I correct? <laughs> but also I think. Yeah. Although he did fail more than. Family. Of course, of course. I'm just trying to take this down to like a basic level of comparison. I think also, though, that there is a level of expectation with women in friend groups where even if you're not necessarily family, there is a level of emotional labor and pff, I said that weird. I'm sorry. Emotional labor and things like that that you're expected to produce and keep up with that becomes kind of, I think, to me, 
interconnected with Peter Parker's inability to keep up with like his family's relationships. Um, that doesn't necessarily make one worse than the other or better than the other, but it does it does really remind me of the struggle that each is going through, considering the fact that the fact that Spider-Man Spider-Man has is depicted as having less friends is I mean arguably emotionally damaging to him but then on the same end the fact that Spider-Gwen is expected to apparently carry so much emotional weight for her friends is also damaging for her so like where is this middle relationship and I like the way that if this is the comparison that I think we're going with again not knowing very much about Spider-Man myself like I like the way that that equates through genders as both of them having sort of a similar burden to carry it 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 got downplayed like i shouldn't say it it got kind of dropped later on what did the spidey's sort of man of the house role oh because it was like social expectations changed in the 60s that was an actual element of what was going on in the comics like uncle ben died and then peter parker was like okay well God, I got to go pay the bills now somehow. Um, and part of that was because Aunt May was a retiree. And then part of it was because, you know, there was the, the separate expectations. Um, and like I said, it, it, it ended up, you know, kind of getting downplayed because times change and he moved out anyway. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting comparison, especially because something I noticed that was really interesting about Spider-Gwen, and I'm honestly not sure how to um like what uh, not sure what to make of it is that so we're all familiar with spider-man's origin story right he lets the robber go and then robber shoots <laughs> uncle ben maggie please please Just keep going keep going i'll catch up <laughs> my oh, god. okay so spider-man's origin story. oh god spider-man's origin story is he gets bitten by a spider he uh actually goes into wrestling briefly um and then he has the opportunity to stop a mugger who has just committed a mugging and he doesn't he lets that person get away because he's he's like whatever he's high on his own farts and he's like the world has screwed me over i don't know it anything and then later on his uncle is shot and murdered in a mugging and he like goes after the guy who did it and corners him in a warehouse and like slams him up against the wall and realizes it's the guy he let get away a little while ago. Oh, wow. And yeah. And that's why he's like with great power comes great responsibility because I, I got my uncle killed indirectly with my actions. I should have stopped this guy when I had the chance and I didn't, and it bit me. That's not the case for Spider-Gwen. She blames herself for Peter's death, but it's not really her fault. Can we talk about Peter's death? So from what I gathered from this, Peter wanted to be special, like Gwen was, mm. and so he like drank something, some weird sort of... Potiony thing, yeah. and then became like a lizard man, the lizard, and then just died. The lizard, yes. <laughs> so was this like toxic masculinity? Could he not handle the fact that his best girl pal was becoming special? Um, he didn't know that that Gwen was Spider Woman. Okay. Um, he also was ruthlessly bullied. 
Um, so I, I, I don't, I think there is some amount of toxic masculinity in there, but also some element of like teenage bullying stuff because this is Peter Parker. If he hadn't gotten bitten um, and he sees, he sees Spider-Woman out there and kind of looks up to her and imagines what it must be like to be her and to have phenomenal power and to not be weighed down by being a loser who everyone hates and beats up all the time. Okay. Uh, Maggie, what was your read on that? I think I agreed with Kevin's reading of it, but also used it, (laughs) sorry, viewed it slightly more in the lens of toxic masculinity, just in the sense of like, I think there was, to, to my view, a little bit more rivalry there of the idea that he felt like he kind of, you know, should have the ability to be more or like had, you know, had the ability to be more. Um, and that's really where it came in for me, I guess, is the idea that like there was it felt almost like a sense of entitlement as a way to escape, even though he was idolizing spider woman the entire time if that makes sense that is exactly correct because you know part of it is that that he wanted this wasn't just his means to become special this was his means to become special and show everyone else you know yeah for sure super villain you know like like this is they'll they'll rue the day that they laughed at peter parker and that's almost exactly what he said in the actual mainline spider-man series when he got Mm. bit he was kind of real garbage about it because he had a a huge chip on his shoulder and then it took getting his uncle killed to to snap him out of it so from what you know of spider-gwen we didn't find this out in this comic why did she start helping people because it it sounds like she just went into the superhero business we don't have we don't know i honestly don't like i even looked into it on the wiki and everything and i couldn't really figure it she started helping people because i guess you know her dad was a cop and it was something she could do but um she was some amount of superhero before peter died I know that she was like, oh, what was it? She was she was kind of like goofing around with it, I think, before he died. But, um, but no, she was like out there helping people. Yeah, the, I also got that impression from the wiki because that was a question I had also just reading this issue. I was like, wait, like, I had questions, so I I went and I looked at it and I w- and I tried to understand more about the plot summary. And first of all, there's very little about the summary of any of these comics available on the internet. But second of all, there's very little about her motivations, and I feel like that is also kind of a feminist difference between Gwen and Peter in the sense that even when Peter's motivations are good and bad and mixed and in that way very human, like we get a lot of his motivations is what it means for him to be Spider-Man. But from what I could tell from not just this comic, but just I tried to look it up, there's very little available about what actually made Gwen want to like step up and be Spider-Woman, except for the fact that her dad was a cop and she like kind of looked up to him. And like, that was it. That was all I could find. Interesting. All right. Well, people, if you know more, please email us at rebelgirlsbookclub at gmail.com. Hey! 
Okay, you go pee. While you do, we're going to discuss spider ham. Kevin, I think you're my spider ham. Do you want to know why? Hold on. First, you're going to need to explain that statement. I think you're my spider ham in the way that you're my Olaf to my Anna. You're the spider ham to my spider Gwen. And I'm going to look not for textual evidence. I, if I were spider Gwen, you'd be my spider ham. You wouldn't be no, spider, I'm not spider Gwen. No. Why? Why couldn't I be spider Gwen? Because she's like super cool and mysterious and angsty and like she. I am cool. Yeah. Okay. I'm very cool. She's mysterious and angsty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She is? But if I were a superhero, you could be my spider ham conscious. You would conscious. be you would be Penny Parker. If we're, Who's Penny Parker? She's the anime girl. I oh okay. Yeah, I could see that. I could see Either that. Either that or you would be Miles. I would probably be Miles. You just want to be Miles because he's the main character. I want to be Miles because every time I watch Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, I cry. Yeah. I mean, I cry mostly at the Spider-Man stuff, the Peter Parker stuff. Really? It makes me very sad. Why? Why does it make you sad? It makes me sad to oh, see he... him sad. <laughs> I cry at like this inspirational story. Relationship. It also makes okay, me sad wait, to wait. see him die. I understand. I understand. Here we go. Okay. okay. You can't convince me. My lost my phone. I lost my phone. Yeesh. Relax. The world weeps for your lost brunchy photos. You can get another. I felt like that was something you would say to me. And then maybe you have permanent brain damage. Probably the only explanation for the choices you've made today. It's it's basically how I feel like you talk to me. <laughs> wow. I mean, yeah. I, I'm tempted to say, wow, that's that's really harsh. Uh, I feel offended. But I did just explicitly say that you were super lame and not at all mysterious. <laughs> so. And I don't know if I said it out loud earlier or if I just thought it that, that you were a caricature. And that's why you associated strongly with... Miss Marvel, who is a caricature of a teenager. I am not a caricature. I am very... I contain multitudes. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Motherfucker. I'm not saying that a caricature is is a simple thing. Caricatures, by definition, are simple things. They're things that are blown up and not real. They're exaggerated. Yeah, which means that they don't have nuance. Harmony called me a caricature, and I feel... Extremely upset. I didn't. You called me a caricature. You see this? You see how she's like twisting the, the situation. What's the definition of a caricature? Listen, I have this all recorded, buddy. As far as I'm aware, a caricature is essentially the definition of a stereotype where characters aren't given any nuance and instead they're just assigned specific personality traits that are associated with their gender or more often their race or their sexuality now what did i say kevin i used the word nuance didn't i i don't remember (laughs) i'm gonna (laughs) gonna, like cut this out and play it back for you to remind you every time you say that you're right you're essentially like what if the Manic Pixie Dream Girl was super into bondage i think that's a part of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl that's a part of (laughs) No, the Manic Pixie. No, I disagree. I don't no. think the Manic Pixie Dream Girl is necessarily. I think so. I think that like that is a part of it because then it's like, oh, she likes these sexual things that I like. Okay. So instead of being that- a blend of two different caricatures, it's just the one. <laughs> no, I'm not. 
Kevin called me a caricature. He's, he thinks I have no nuance to my personality, and I told him I contain multitudes of personality. Oh, don't bring Walt fucking Whitman into this. <laughs> okay, so we talked about Spider-Ham. You're back now, Maggie. Um, I think you already touched on this, but do you have anything else to say about why it's important that this is a story that takes place in college versus high school? Oh, I mean, honestly, I think for me, it's just kind of generally looking at young adult publishing in general. Uh, I said general too often. But just looking at the the trends in young adult publishing, there's a weird divide between young adult and new adult and like the places where college age people lie end up being from a publishing perspective, sort of in between, which means that because they don't fit neatly into any one box none of their stories end up getting told. I can think of a fair, just like a couple, like really just a few stories about college age students that came out when we were college students, either in new adult or young adult genres. And I think that it's still a time of intense growth for people. And I think that it's relevant to recognize the fact that versus maybe a very traditional, like, YA 16-year-old protagonist. These protagonists are older, but, like, it's still a weird time where you're an adult, but you're also kind of not an adult to a certain extent. And I think that offering more characters navigating that transition, both male, female, non-binary, you know, like, the whole spectrum of humans can only be helpful rather than hurtful as people are trying to navigate that for themselves. As a counterexample, the uh, OG Spider-Man movies where Tobey Maguire was like 50 years old and had a career and an apartment and was supposedly in college, yeah. and it was just confusing to me. Yeah, I agree. Thank you, Maggie. That was great. Let's move on to Ms. Marvel, shall we? I'm just scared of Ms. Marvel. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about Ms. Marvel, because I like her better. I wrote here, Ms. Marvel is, is basically our current movie Spider, Spidey-Man, but better. What is, like my our current Tom Holland Spider Man? That's how I felt about Ms. Marvel because she's just like fangirl now. And to give you guys all some context, the story that we didn't read the intro story for Ms. Marvel, but the intro story essentially is that she's this girl. She's a Muslim girl living in New Jersey, and she writes Marvel fan fiction or not Marvel fan fiction, the Avengers fan fiction. Because the Avengers are going on happening in New York City. And I love that she's taken out of New York City and that she's like New Jersey. Because if you don't know, we all shit all over New Jersey. Like the rest of the world. Poor New Jersey. And I think that it's great that she's like this bedroom community. But it's a great, nice, diverse community. And she represents it. And she's also a Muslim girl. And it's written by a Muslim writer. And it's just amazing. And she writes fan fiction, which I love because I used to write fan fiction. I think I should rebut you on this fact, though, that there was a lot of controversy when Miss Marvel first came out about the fact that she was in New Jersey and not New York because it was seen as being secondary and less important. And that there was a lot of people who felt like she should have been based in Manhattan like everyone else. Oh. Yeah. And I will also say not that this makes G. Willow Wilson any less Muslim any less muslim but she is a convert to islam and i think that that is also something that is kind of relevant to point out here just when we're talking about own voices stuff she's definitely own voices but i just want to put it out there that like we are aware of this so don't fucking come at us we still feel like she's own voices 
I'm going to come at Harmony. You wrote fan fiction? Yeah, in high school. Did you not know oh, this? Yeah. Harmony was... <laughs> you knew her no. in high school. I'm a nerd, Kevin. I sure did. Uh, he knew me after I stopped writing fan fiction. That's when I was like obsessed with sex, and that became my nerdy thing. Yeah, hey, that was where I met Harmony. That's where I believe Harmony still is. No. 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 We've moved past that? <laughs> no. Nope. We've moved past that. Not the same way. <laughs> no, that's true. Anyway... <laughs> Thank you for that rebuttal, Maggie. I Okay, so that's really interesting that people were mad that she wasn't in Manhattan because I felt like the fact that she was in New Jersey was really important because it was all of these overlooked communities that she's embodying. And it made her more realistic to me. Like, it made her more realistic of, like, a regular teenager. I think that as a white lady, I agree with you, but I can see from the people of color that I you know, read reviews from, I can understand why they felt like, oh, well, like, let's just let the white dudes defend Manhattan and let's let this Muslim girl defend, you know, this city that is viewed as being lesser and more dangerous and all of that. I actually have kind of the opposite view on the situation, which is adding another superhero to New York is a very... New York is not big enough for all of the superheroes that are there in the Marvel Universe. And adding one more to New York is just sort of another face in the crowd, whereas giving her New Jersey, that's like, that's her territory. She she owns that. She's the New Jersey girl. And that's, I think, pretty cool. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt as well. But that is interesting that, like, yeah, all the white dudes defend all Manhattan. And but also- black dudes and everyone else. Yeah. I mean, I I think most of the superheroes don't actually live in Manhattan that I can think of. Like, I mean, except for Batman, but he's a different universe. (laughs) And Batman lives (laughs) Gotham. Well, Gotham is Manhattan. And I should say also that part of that is just like, this is me reading reviews, attempting to find more context for something that I don't know very much about because I'm not familiar with this. You know, like, this is not necessarily... I will link to all of the opinions that I found below. I'm just trying to offer like something that I saw because I don't Mm -hmm. feel like I have a strong opinion about this either way personally, you know? I wanted to talk about her being like Spider-Man Tom Holland, but better. Did you, do you guys believe that? Are you like, nah, she's not better than Tom Holland Spider-Man or what? This is only a Kevin question. I haven't seen any of it. You've seen some, you've seen the Avengers. Yeah, you saw Tom Holland. As Spider-Man. For, like, maybe 15 minutes out of a three-hour movie. I mean, like, given the amount of time he's been given as Spider-Man in the Avengers universe, I really don't feel super qualified to talk about it, to be perfectly honest. I haven't seen any of the OG Spider-Man movies or any of his, like, individual movies. So, like, if you actually tally up his screen time in Avengers versus what's, what he's been given, I don't, I don't really know. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. All right, Kev Kev. I think that she is a better... I, I, th- I think you're pretty much on the money, Harmony. Uh, I think she's a better version of Tom Holland Spidey for a couple of reasons. Um, one is she's not Spider-Man, so drastically changing her character to be, like, not Spider-Man isn't a bad thing. Uh, in fact, this may be good because she's not Spider-Man, and she's not supposed to be. And regardless her superhero idol is better than tony stark tony stark is a fascist and the worst and he sucks 
Um, and so having your teenage superhero look up to this just calamitous individual, I, I, I can't get behind that. Um, and also he's rich and really takes away from the, the, the appearance of struggle within Tom Holland's Spidey because like what, what the, the spider powers aren't even important for him. You know what I mean? Yeah. He has the full backing of Stark industry. He has killer drone robots and armored suits and like the spider powers are nothing compared to that. Yeah. He also goes to like a special school and is supposedly like a genius. And I really appreciated that Kamala is a regular girl yep. who goes to a regular high school who also happens to be a woman and happens to be a brown woman. And I mean, I am a white woman, so I can't speak for this, but like as someone who's seen culture, like Islamic culture before, it seemed pretty accurate to what my Islamic friends talked about and like jokes that they would make. It sounded like it was written by someone like an own voices author to me. I thought I totally agreed that that whole idol conversation that we just had between, you know, like the difference between Spidey and Tony Stark and all of that was really important. This doesn't necessarily come up in this comic, but from the research that I did about following issues is really um, prevalent. So like, I guess skip ahead 15 seconds if you're really paranoid about Miss Marvel spoilers, but part of her whole arc, part of Kamala's whole arc is the idea that like, eventually carol is not her idol anymore and she becomes really disillusioned with her idols and she finds her own voice and her own community and her own way to save people and i think for me especially you know with like a muslim teenage girl as a superhero that for me was the most empowering was the idea that like i don't need any white idols i don't need any adult idols I don't need idols that don't share my religion. I can just, like, I can save the world myself as I am with my beliefs, and I'm still going to do good. That, to me, was really the most empowering. And again, we don't see a ton of that in this first issue. But I think we see the undercurrents of it, and it really, if you continue on in the series, that like, that's the current that continues. And I just wanted to call that out, especially as a difference between her Miss Marvel to, to Spider-Man, like the Tom Holland version. Now, I don't think this is um, plot or, or discussion relevant necessarily, but out of my own curiosity, um, was this is this like after the Civil War II arc that this happened? I think so. Yeah, because yeah. I was going to say earlier when I was calling Tony Stark a fascist, Captain Marvel also a fascist, uh, and she gets to play mm-hmm. that role in Civil War II. Yeah. And so unlike Tom Holland's Spider-Man, Kamala has the integrity to you know, recognize when her mentor, idol, whatever, is doing something wrong. Yeah, I really appreciated that, as I've been saying, she's a normal teenager. I really appreciate that she, like, has a lot of crushes in addition to fandom. Like, I like that we talk about her ex-crush and him being a dick. I'm trying to find the quote, but there is a really great quote that she had with uh, Captain Marvel about her powers. Captain Marvel says... Wow, that's a neat trick. You seem very dot 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 at home in your powers. Kamala is there and she's like, yay! And she's super happy after Captain Marvel says that. And she says, it took me a long time to get here. For a while, I just kind of felt weird and gross. 
And now, says Captain Marvel, and she says, now I feel weird and awesome. And that was like, oh my God, that's puberty. That's just so much puberty. Like, yeah, I'm just weird and gross because I have all of these like weird things going on. And I like, like boys now. And you know, all of this shit is going on and I feel weird, but I'm like learning to accept my weirdness and my specialness. And oh my God, it made me cheer up a little. What was your reaction? I also felt that moment to be really empowering. And initially when I was reading it, I was kind of scared because of the word weird. And, you know, the fact that that is not always an empowering word, not just for ladies, but for anyone, (laughs) especially in high school, you know, that's a bad word. But yeah, I agree with you. It also ultimately made me feel really good on the fact that she was able to just embrace herself for who she was, no matter, no matter what, essentially, you know, like she's weird and she's cool and she's got all this other shit going on. I was here for it. Her boyfriend's a dick. I have that. Does does anyone want to talk? I mean, not her boyfriend, her ex-crush. Does anyone have any comments about her ex-crush? How old is he? I don't know. Because I didn't read the stories leading up to this one. Neither did I. He seems old, though. He does look old, but he could just have facial hair. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Uh, yeah, he's a jerk. He kind of... That's about what agreed. I got out of that. Yeah. Uh, he tells her to be a good I girl. I feel like context that we missed. Yeah, he he's a jerk, and he tells her to be a good girl, and that makes us all want to punch him. Um, yeah. yeah, the good girl thing is only cool if it's consensual. <laughs> exactly, Jeez. not cool. No, it's real though, right? Like that's not that's not language you're allowed to just throw around willy nilly. And it is thrown around a lot in this story. Yeah, absolutely. I, and in life, I mean, is what I can say. Oh. Like as my experience oh, yeah, as a lady. Yeah can say i straight up missed it in this story oh you missed it yeah maybe i skimmed that word bubble or something i really like that captain marvel puts a lot of focus on taking care of yourself and like kind of telling kamala not to try and take everything she's telling kamala not to worry about trying to take over like trying to take on the responsibilities of the world and i felt that was really important especially when you have a female superhero, because that's something that we see women trying to do a lot. Take on everything. And she's like, nah, girl, you got to take care of yourself. I would agree with that. I'm sorry. I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this without implicating where I work. I'm currently working with a youth initiative that talks explicitly about teenagers and millennials essentially, you know, saving the world, but without having superpowers. And that is something I try and talk about a lot as well for, frankly, both boys and girls, because I think that there is a real pressure for especially Gen Z to just, like, fix the stuff that all of the adults have fucked up so far. And thinking about the idea that, like, change starts with an individual which moves to maybe a family or friends depending on your situation which maybe moves to your school to your community and that's that's how it grows i think that i really appreciated that from captain marvel because it felt so genuine whether you have superpowers or not you have to start with yourself and you have to take care of yourself and then your movement your ideas your thoughts can grow but not if you are not a-okay, generally speaking, but be confident in the idea that they can. And I, I really, that really, that part really spoke to me. I, 
yeah, that's that's my thought, I guess. That part really spoke to me given the age demographic of the people that I work with constantly and the people who say that they feel like they can't make change because adults don't listen to them. Aww. Yeah. And I felt like it was great kind of going off of that, that she was taking care of her own community and that was what she was charged with. And to go back to your point about people like New Jersey being secondary, they address that in this book, this uh, story. Carol Danvers is like, there's no money coming here. You're all we got. That part, I didn't, I, I didn't really get anything out of that part, probably because I've seen too much superhero media. That sort of thing gets talked about, but, but definitely like within the context of like this, this girl specifically, her getting, her getting hyped up is pretty cool. She's a hard worker. She's a hard worker. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, here, let me see. What other points do I have? Take care of yourself. We were talking a little bit before about um, Gwen having friends and how I think we were all maybe a little disappointed with how that played out. That was not the case in Kamala's story. Kamala has her mom and she also has Bruno. So she has a support network. Like she told her mom her secret and her mom accepted her. And I loved that we got to see that. We got to see her not bearing this burden by herself. I agree with that. I would also say that there is a difference between your family and your friends supporting your secret. But I think my general consensus is that I'm with you, that in this case it felt empowering, especially in comparison to Spider-Gwen. Yeah. Yeah, because I guess, yeah, I guess her dad also knows her secret, but it doesn't feel empowering when Spider-Gwen comes out because he's, like, trying to kill her, and he's like, oh, no, and it's just tainted with angst and sadness. So much angst. But he dies in the comics. Spidey yeah. Gets what? Spidey gets him killed in the comics. The Spidey real? gets them both killed. What? Spider-Gwen gets them killed? No, Spider-Man in the original spider-man comics he gets george stacy killed and george stacy reveals that he knew that peter parker was spider-man this is when him and gwen were still dating doc ock kills him and then and then gwen of course the night gwen stacy died wow okay yeah. then well that's one thing that's empowering about spider gwen like we get to take away the fridge narrative that was given to Kevin just did yeah, it. I totally snap. agree with that. Yes. So I think the white man wants to speak. I'm sorry, Kevin. I was joking. Go ahead. I can't hear you now. Oh no, your voice has been robbed from you. <laughs> <laughs> I can't hear him either. Everyone is fading. It's fine. It's almost like I'm doing it on purpose. <laughs> All right. No, what I was going to say is yeah, uh, the, this is like, I, I can't believe I didn't even think about this this is probably the single biggest reason spider gwen is so empowering because you're you're taking a character who is her entire personality was she died um and that's not entirely a like that's not an entirely anti-feminist thing at the time because this was still the Silver Age, where characters 
sometimes just didn't have personalities. Her personality was she's the love interest. Her personality and the role in the story were the same thing because the the level of storytelling was just much simpler. And the fact that she has been famous for so long all comes down to the fact that she died in an era where that like her personality was the love interest and love interests didn't die. The event was so monumental that it literally transitioned comic books out of the Silver Age into the Bronze Age. It's a huge event. And so you're taking this character who exists to die, and you are giving her a story. You're giving her a personality. You're giving her a role in the Marvel Universe outside of being that. Uh, And that's huge. That is huge. I agree. I think that also talking about time periods versus who who was given that voice versus who wasn't. I will say, or we're talking about a feminist versus anti-feminist way. I will. I do think it's fair to say that more women ended up in that, you know, dead or otherwise role than others. Um, and I just think it's important to mention that, right? Like that. Like Harmony was saying, there were so many women who ended up in that position. They became what? What was your phrase? The refrigerator. That is a term that originates from comics, and this is the way it's. It comes from a Green Lantern comic, actually, where he gets home and finds that his girlfriend has been murdered and like chopped up and stuffed into his fridge, and so that's why it's called getting fridged. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild, but it was. Uh, this was a thing, like a big thing in the 80s and 90s, where you now had characters, you had character development, you had those dramatic elements, and they were introducing women explicitly to cause that sort of dramatic man pain without yeah. any sort of morality or real dramatic weight to it, just as a purely, like, you know, macho thing. And I want to highlight the fact that you are explicitly calling out the fact that this is happening up until the 90s. Like, this is not something that's happening in the 40s, 50s, 60s, right? When we think about the heyday of comics or whatever. Like, this is something that is happening as recently as our lifetimes. You know, like 20-ish plus years ago. And is, I mean, frankly, still happening now. I think luckily on a slightly lesser scale, at the very least, because we have... Um, authors like Catherine M. Valente and stuff writing things like the refrigerator monologues, but I really appreciate the fact that you explicitly pointing out the fact that like this stuff is recent. It's happening. It is in our it current got- cultural phenomena and uh, psyche. Yeah, it got it it ramped up in the eighties and peaked in the nineties. Like it it got worse, uh, and then it started petering out after like. 0405 ish is when it sort of started coming down again. But yeah, no, this is this is... in comics specifically, right? Yeah, in comics specifically. Okay, because in other media, I don't know. It, it's a it's a phenomenon that occurs all over, <laughs> all over the media. I can't I can't speak to trends quite so strongly in other media. Uh, but you, you can actually chart it though a little bit against the action movie genre uh, with comics mm-hmm. at least. Because it, it starts ramping up when you get into that hyper-masculine 80s, you know, testosterone-fueled mm-hmm. shooting fest. 
and the characters you see in comics around that time period are absurd and stupid. And then it starts coming down after those fade out. And then the comics suddenly get better. <laughs> no, I was hopeful. <laughs> Let's not use such strong words like better. Well, I mean, to be fair, if we're looking at the past 10 years, right, at least we do have more women and people of color in general who are writing comics, who are illustrating comics. I know that that's a full decade over the time that we're asked, that we're talking about specifically, but like, I, things have gotten at least a little better, you know? That's true. I wanted to talk about the scene with Zoe, because it's kind of implied there that Zoe is the mean girl, and it's also kind of implied that she's a little bit racist to Kamala, and I really liked that during this sad time where their world is potentially ending, she was able to apologize and acknowledge her racism and also to acknowledge the fact that, like, she's mean because of the patriarchy, essentially. <laughs> because all of the girls she hangs out with are competing with each other to get guys' attention. What do you think about that, Kevin? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree. Obviously, there's a lot of context for the relationship that uh, we're not getting out of, out of these issues. But no, it's, it's, it's interesting how they explicitly call attention to the fact that, that this is happening because of, because of, of sexism and, and stemming out of, you know, gender roles. Um, and how she's kind of boxed into into acting this way because of how how people perceive her, yeah, and entitlement that men feel, and um, you know the the expectations that that women feel. Um, I think it's it's interesting to to see it very plainly called out like that. And I wonder too. We don't have the context, but it's kind of it kind of seems like Kamala doesn't have to deal with that in part maybe because she's not vying for boys attention in the same way and that could be because of her culture or it could be because she's like obsessed with being miss marvel or something else what do you think miss mags i mean honestly i was just reading about her thoughts about all of this so i haven't really heard our past conversation so following this and this is just coming from the wiki to be fair, I just want to put this out there for our listeners. But following this, Wilson pushed back against the sentiment with her own perspective on the success and failure of quote-unquote diverse characters. She argued that the driving before that the driving force behind Miss Marvel's success with, was authenticity and realism instead of diversity. She proposed that diversity was not inherent was not inherently additive to stories because it is not creating a new world, but simply representative of the existing world and that diverse properties were successful and were successful because of their particularity and strong sense of place. Wilson cited Luke Cage, Black Panther and Batgirl as exist as additional examples. Wilson later expanded on her vi vision of authenticity and realism by acknowledging that the perspective that photo op diversity did not actually address any institutional problems. As such, she claimed that stories that focus on authenticity and specific experiences can be very successful because it's not about box checking. It's about reflecting as closely as you can in Pulp Fiction, a real lived experience. So I think from all of that, she is, you know, absolutely positively a Muslim, but also potentially a, a white woman who is converted to the Islamic religion. Yeah. Just to put that out there. 
And again, just from the wiki, if you have more information or things that you want to say about you, Willow Wilson, uh, please feel free to text us. But or, I'm sorry, not text us. Don't text us. Email us. At rebelgirlsbookclub at gmail.com. Yeah. Please. Sorry, I wasn't I was I was so busy like looking at all of that that I didn't really hear what your point was. I just wanted to put that out there after we talked about that. Text six four two zero six nine six nine. Is that your phone number, Cap Cap? It's a phone number. <laughs> I like that they mentioned Frozen. That makes this comic the best comic. You liked that? <laughs> yeah, I thought that her friendship with her friend that we barely met, but I guess like is contextually there, was really sweet. I don't and want I to love talk the- about Frozen ever again. You've never even seen it. Oh. Yeah, I edited that whole fucking paper for you, though, our freshman year. I know, I know. Well, you should your paper on Frozen? Yeah, it was It was our freshman year. It was, like, around that Miserable. time that we were, you know, going to the beach every weekend and watching Frozen. <laughs> every weekend? We went once. No, we went multiple times and watched Frozen. I only went once. Ouch. No, I thought we went multiple times. No. Okay, well, in my memory, we went multiple oh, times. Right, we did, because we went camping in my backyard. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. See, see. And then we didn't, and then we, like, went up into my house, and, and you slept on a couch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That sounds, like, correct. Because you were afraid that the cops yes. were going to come when we were in the backyard. Yeah, that oh, sounds right. really correct. Because of the, the that wasn't my fault. That was because somebody was texting me and was worrying me about it. Okay. Anyway, yes. So, can we talk about Bruno? Bruno is Kamala, Kamala's best friend. Yeah, he's her best friend, and also a potential love interest. And also, he's in love with her, but she just kind of wants to be Ms. Marvel. What do you guys think about that confession scene? Because I wrote in my notes, Bruno is boyfriend goals. Like, that is how everyone should act, and we don't always get there, but we should all get there. It, like, yeah, I I agree, but in the same sense, um, it kind of goes back to that, that element of, like, sort of awkward writing where, yeah, no, he, he is perfect boyfriend material. He's great, and it feels unrealistic. I disagree. That's how my partner talks to me. Like, that dialogue is very similar to, like, if I have a problem or we're going through something, then... Yeah, but your partner is almost 30. Like, not to be a jerk about it, but but, but to be fair, like, I don't think that that's unrealistic as as we're talking about men in general, but, like, if we're talking about a 16 or 17-year-old, I think it's kind of unlikely. That's fair. It's, like, it's wish fulfillment, though. I feel as though 16 or 17-year-olds who have been given the proper dialogue and tools and maybe taught about, like, how to love in a educational setting, as some 16- and 17-year-olds in some countries are, could come up with that. Kevin, what the fuck are you doing? Just naked. Um, wish fulfillment is a very good word for... for uh, what's going on here um because it feels in in the same way that gwen spider gwen is extremely angsty miss marvel feels like she has a lack of angst 
Well, she's 16. She shouldn't have angst. Bruh. What? I want you to just, like, wind that back one more. Just repeat those words. Okay, when I was- Are you kidding I have... me? I've never been so angsty as I was at 16. Like, mm-hmm. 16 was an angst light year for me. Like, an, it was angst I'm light, but like- same, but like half she's... of all drama on television is I'm 16 and that's all of the drama. Like, that's yeah, the but I dramatic think that premise. There are also, I think if you, if you haven't- experienced a lot of traumatic experiences and that's not to say that like people shouldn't have depression or something but i think there are a lot of teenagers who have lived pretty good lives in the way that kamala has that (laughs) that don't have that angst yet and like are just kind of happy i have friends that are like that i think it's the i think you and i both had some fairly traumatic experiences in our our life leading up to 16 and neither one of us felt particularly angsty in that whereas i think most people feel extremely angsty at 16 i just i don't think it's necessary like some people yes some people may but i also like that there's a depiction of a teenager who is just kind of happy-go-lucky and that's, that's I can, fine. I can appreciate that, but I don't think it's fair to say that that's the typical experience. That, and also, the difference is between her personality and her circumstances. Because the fact, her being happy-go-lucky is fine. Her self not being angsty, that's fine. But it seems like her life has a lot of very good fortune in it. Uh, like unrealistically good fortune outside of the super villainy stuff, you know, that, that, that's whatever. But okay, like everyone thinks she's great. She's, you know, popular. Everyone loves her. She's got dudes crushing on her, like a, a super sweet dude who is unrealistically awesome. Her idols think that she's great and are giving her mementos the first time they meet her. Um, the government is keeping an eye on her and like is supporting her. And, Kind of. You know, like, that's fine, I guess, but when you when you wrap it all up like that, it's a little bit... It's, it's, it's kind of a lot. There's no conflict for you. Yeah, there's no, there's no real adversity she's facing except for the fantastical kind. I think, though, that that's really empowering in terms of... And this is me saying this as, you know, a white atheist lady. But I think that if we're talking about Muslim characters, that that's really empowering. I know that Willow Wilson um, had a really big I uh, like identity, crisis of identity after 9-11, especially because she was a convert to Islam. Um, and thinking about what that religion meant, I think it's really important to show the fact that it's possible to get through life as a Muslim teen and not have any angst in a like really traditional teen sense i will say though i think that means that it became kind of idealized for all of the reasons that kevin said that besides the real fantastical everything else went good for her and i don't know where i fall in that opinion in the sense of like how much is too much thinking of the fact that like no adversity is going to come to you in any circumstance when you're 16 because like i will say having the total opposite experience like having trauma before and after 16 16 was gnarly i was a terrible person 
because I had so much shit and angst going on. So like, I don't, I think part for me, part of that was the fact that like, that's why I think maybe I identified more with spider Gwen that I did with Miss Marvel. I became a less angsty and better person with more, I guess, lightheartedness when I came to college than I did when I was in high school. But like, if I'm thinking back to my age, when Miss Marvel was doing all of her crap, like I am so far away from that. It's not even funny emotionally. I can see that. I just, I also want to point out that like the comic that we read today may not be typical of her entire story. And it's kind of hinted at that there was more adversity in her ability to get there. Because when we're seeing her, this is volume four. So there are three other volumes in this particular story. And that's not to say, like, each comic, you you have, like, a story that you follow. But, like, there are tons of, of Ms. Marvel comics. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's implied that she's, like, dealt with some light racism from her classmates. I think that the boy stuff is also a thing. I think that from the stuff that I've read, there is some conflict with like her feeling. And I think it's also implied within this comic too. It's just not super focused on that. There is some like conflict between her desires and like trying to be a normal teenager and her culture and like the desires that Mm -hmm. her parents might put on her. So I do think that she's faced adversity and we're just not seeing it as much in this particular story. I, you, you, you may be right, although from my experience reading Marvel's newer stuff, especially with their, um, uh, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm using air quotes here, diversity heroes, um, they do write them to be, like, sort of explicitly and unrealistically, um, empowered or empowering in their circumstance, personality, whatever, um, and... So I'm not sure how different because this 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 kind of writing is fairly similar to the other stuff I've read with some of the other other heroes um, like Jane Foster Thor for example but I haven't read much of them. So you're saying it's more wish fulfillment than like what is normal of the average American teenager in this sort of like newer line of heroes. Yes, and they're not all teenagers. Um it's it's more wish fulfillment than like in a world that we live better. Like things are the way they should be rather than the way they are right now. Yes. Or if adversity does come up then it is addressed, dealt with and you know it's it's kind of that meme of and then everyone clapped, you know, that kind of thing. I think that's important though in our current timeline because things aren't there yet and I think that we're Close enough where it's important to give kids, especially teenagers, a place to aspire to, but also far enough away where it's equally important to understand the fact that they, we all need to come together, mm-hmm. no matter our experiences to get there. And that as, you know, that like white people need to support people of color and that people of different religions need to support people of, you know, really persecuted religions currently, like, like Islamic and, uh, judaism and things like that and like i agree with you that there is a certain level of wish fulfillment happening but i don't think that's a bad thing i think that's aspirational and i think that that's what people personally like for me need right now so i don't think that that was something that i disagreed with even though i felt like it was still unrealistic i guess if that makes sense like i wasn't 
necessarily angry about the lack of realism. I just think it's important to, to offer that up, that it, it's not necessarily every person, every human's experience. Um, yeah, I, I certainly, yeah. I, I, was, I, I wasn't all uh, angry. And I'm not even, like, I liked what I read of Ms. Marvel, even if I have my criticisms of the writing. Um, I think it's just, it's it's an interesting place to be where you're reading a work and you understand that it's written with a purpose, um, like a, a social or political purpose, um, and and your, crit- like, your criticism stems from where that enters the writing where you do have, you know, a, a level of wish fulfillment that in a different story, in a different context, I would say this, I mean, this is kind of, this is awkward and it's detracting from the story, but given the cultural context, you, you understand like why it exists and why it was done this way. And it's, it's an interesting place to try and judge a story from. I think the place that I disagree with you is thinking of all the other authors that have come before this cultural moment who have also made, like, cultural and societal comments. Whether they were as happy-go-lucky as this one is or not. But I think about Charles Dickens, like, if we're going way back to the 19th century, like, I see a lot of similarities in, in the cultural criticisms he's making even though obviously, you know, Dickens wasn't perfect and all of that. Um, but I, I don't, I think I'm either misunderstanding you or mishearing you Slight. because what I, because I think that this level of cultural criticism and societal commentary has been ever present for centuries and that it's okay for me that it's moved to a more happy go lucky place. Even if it's necessary, if it, even if it's not necessarily representative of everyone's daily experience. So can you speak more about your thoughts? Cause I don't want to misunderstand you. And this is kind of what I'm getting right now. It's I'm not talking about necessarily the cultural commentary of the story, uh, because obviously the, the commentary is that, you know, here are issues, here is how it should be, it's it's very upfront about that, and that is fine, you know, stories are inherently political, they have a message, that's fine um, it's mm-hmm. more um I'm trying to think of a, the right way to put it, so you saw you saw Avengers Endgame, right? Mm-hmm. You remember that moment at the at the end with the big fight and just like all of the the female Avengers and heroes just sort of happen to show up on screen together and they get this cool action moment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that was done like it it's it's within within the context of the film. It's like uh, it's almost jarring because it's not. It's, it's, it's not done well. It's a strange it's, coincidence within the film, but it's it's done specifically to give you know female. It's pandering. Audience. Yeah, it's 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 pandering, and it's done to which belittles us as like female audience members. I, that's that's a call. You, I can't. I can't. Talk That's about what that. I felt when I watched it. I was like, "This is so cool," but also like, I'd rather just have cool female characters that are well developed and not sexualized. My rather my, than you just giving me this. My read was. Now, I don't done. think that's what Ms. Marvel is doing. 
No, it, uh, my read was that it was it was done to be empowering. Um, but that's that's what I mean in terms of the wish fulfillment here. It's done to make readers who identify with Miss Marvel happy. Um, and it's 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 done to be their wish fulfillment, even if it is. Okay, I think I think I get what you're saying. I think you're worried if I'm reading you correctly that these moments end up being pandering because of who is writing them and who is illustrating them and all of that, rather than being truthfully empowering, similar to the Avengers Endgame situation. Not quite. Um, I I I'm not so much worried. I mean, yeah, that that is a concern, but it's more like when you have these moments that are that are kind of that don't gel with what you would expect from a story that that are kind of like obvious and gratuitous in a sense um where it it kills some of the drama whatever but is helping someone in the real world where it is empowering someone you know where um uh where for for if you're writing a teenage drama story having the love interest not be quite so charming and and boyfriend material right that probably makes for a better story but giving this character a boyfriend who just respects her and is a great guy that is probably important for young women to see and like for them to lose themselves in the fantasy and so it hurts the story but makes the story more enjoyable for someone in real life I think that it's a I think it's subjective whether or not it hurts the story. Right. So like for me, I still find this a good story. And it's actually what I'm looking for when I want a superhero story. I want something hopeful. I don't want it to be real life because I want to live in a world where we can have fucking superpowers. <laughs> and I want to live in a world where boyfriends aren't dickwads and you know, that is that does exist. Like, that part at least does exist. It doesn't have to be all angst all the time. I mean, one I of my I favorite... Up... Sorry, Mags. No, I was just going to say, I think I end up somewhere in the middle of both of you where, like, I think I want just a smidge more angst specifically about the Bruno storyline than is maybe given to us. But I agree with Harmony in the sense that, like, yeah, when I'm looking to a piece of fiction, especially now... The Bruno storyline is really more what I'm looking for, and I think is more what we should be giving to young women in general, at the very least, so that they know what their standards should be. So I end up in this weird middle place where it's like, part of me does, from a storytelling perspective, want a little bit more angst than there is in this story, but then also... I can understand and respect why there wasn't that level of angst. Yeah, see, for me... My friends, I am very sorry, but... It's like almost eight o'clock here and I haven't eaten dinner or fed any of my family yet. And I kind of need to go. I'm super sorry. Right. No, it's okay. I also need to wrap up because this episode's going to be a beast to edit. Yeah, um, just like me. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um, okay. Was this, a, were both of these, both of these, Spider-Gwen, was this feminist? Was Spider-Gwen a feminist comic book? The one that we read? I think ultimately yes, although I give kind of a hesitant yes, just because they're things that I don't personally disagree with. But like overall, probably. Captain. Captain. Yeah. Um, honest, I mean, I don't think there's anything necessarily anti-feminist within the comic itself, whether or not it's like actively and powerfully feminist. Shrug, who knows. 
I will say that Spider-Gwen as a concept and what she's become is feminist. Taking a character who didn't have a personality, who existed as a part of a male character story and turning her into her own whole brand, that's feminist. I think I agree with you on that. I was kind of shrug about this particular story that we read. It was like, I mean, I really just hated this story, so it was really hard for me to fucking analyze. But <laughs> but yeah, I think the, the fact that, you know, we're giving her a personality now is ultimately feminist. Um, Ms. Marvel, is that feminist? Yes. Ma- Kev? Yeah. Yeah, I, feel I agree. Like, I, I think so. It's, it's one female superhero passing down her mantle-ish to another young female superhero and, like... Yeah, and it's more inclusive, too, which I think makes it much more feminist as well. Um, Okay, what are we reading? Maggie? I am reading um, Iron Gold by Pierce Brown and Behold the Dreamers by, um, sorry, let me just look up the author's name, Mbolumbwe. Kevin? I have a coupon here on my desk. (laughs) I am reading... um, Currently, I'm audiobooking the Physic Book of Deliverance Danes, and I'm audiobooking the third Deborah Harkness All Souls trilogy book that I forget the name of. And, oh God! <laughs> and I'm reading that. I'm still reading the Guinevere, uh, Guinevere, Queen of the Summer Country book that I don't remember the author of. Okay. We will see you next week. We are talking about, I think, The Prince and the Dressmaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I'm not going to be able to take notes for that because I no longer have the text, but uh, that will be a Maggie-led episode, and hopefully it will be a lot more organized. I won't be. Goodbye, friends. Okay, Kevin goodbye. won't be here. Send us hate. Send us all your Kevin hate mail to rebelgirlsbookclub at gmail.com. Bye. Bye. I love you. How do I? How do I? Uh, I don't know. Wait. Uh, you can follow us at Rebel Girls Book Club on Instagram, at Rebel Girls Book Club on Facebook, at Rebel Girls Book One on Twitter, and you can email us at rebelgirlsbookclub at gmail.com. Our theme song is called Pretty Boys Make Me Feel Ugly, and it's by The Days. See you soon, and remember to read rebelliously.